Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, the Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. Here we are, Bob, back at the boot camp. I hope you're ready for the next episode on the Replant Bootcamp as we are now kind of coming into the middle of November. The fall leaves are falling. I actually have fall leaves falling in my front yard. I've got a, a, a oak tree in my front yard and they're actual like brown leaves in my yard right now, which is a pretty rare deal for Florida. It's the only tree I think like in sight that I can see that has actual brown leaves, but we're in fall. We're getting near Thanksgiving and which is just a, a great part of the year. And I hope that things are well for you in the St. Lou. Yeah, man, it's beautiful. Uh, it's been beautiful with lots of colors. It's not as vibrant because we haven't had as much rain, but there there are some nice colors. Now, Jimbo, the, the fall is a mixed blessing for me because my backyard is like a forest and I will have between you know, 28 and 48 bags of leaves. So if you want to you want to send some people up here to help with the recovery of those leaves, um, I, I would greatly appreciate it. I would help jump in a pile of those leaves. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, you are all about fun, Jimbo. You are all about fun. That's Absolutely. Sure. Hey, speaking of fun, the fun of replanting, we've talked about, we are in a mini series on the stages of replanting. Last week, we talked about the if church planting is like construction, building the trellis for the vine to grow, church replanting is like farming. And first, we've got to, plow until the hard soil. Uh, and it does get a little more fun after you get the sil- uh, the the soil tilled, if I could say those words. If you can you can plow the ground a little bit and get it ready, it does start to get to be a little more fun as you enter into the next stage. Just as a reminder to our listeners, you can not only listen to our glorious voices talk about this, But each Monday, we will have a blog post going up on the website based on a previous episode sometime in the history and the archives of the Museum of the Boot Camp in our three years of rich history. And then every Friday, the blog post will come out following that week's podcast episode, giving you more information in just a different format for different learning styles. And so if you've read the blog, if you've listened to last week's episode, you know that the four stages are plowing, planting, watering, and growing. And so, Bob, talk to us a little bit today about what, when you say planting, you obviously don't mean church planting. No. So talk to us about what the planting stage looks like in a replant. Yeah, so the planting stage is the work of the pastors and the leaders to sow the gospel deeply into the softened ground of the church body. So mm-hmm. you've been mm-hmm. you've been plowing, you've been breaking things up, you've been, you know, you've been been stopping the well-worn patterns, you've been introducing a disruptive force to kind of break up the ground, you've been been working hard, you've been staying committed at that, not just, you know, one time or through one sermon, but but the constant work of plowing the ground now leads you to planting and it's planting the gospel into all of what you're doing. So, you know, faithfully sowing the, the, or casting the seed of the gospel into the lives of the people in your church and the culture of your church is a whole lot more than just clearly communicating the gospel 
at the end of your sermon, mm. right? It's much more than that. And there's a couple of resources I think that were helpful for me in really understanding this. One of them was The Gospel-Centered Life by a guy named Bob Thune and Will Walker. It's a great book that they talk about how the gospel transforms us. It saves us, but it also transforms us and continually transforms us. So let me read this quote. It's a little bit long quote, but I think it's helpful. It says this, many Christians live a with a truncated view of the gospel, that the gospel is not is not just a means of our salvation, but the means of our transformation. It's not simply deliverance from sin's penalty, but release from sin's power. The gospel is what makes us right with God, which is justification. And it's also what frees us to delight in God, sanctification. And so we really have to think about the gospel is more than just communicating the gospel that leads to salvation. It is is what continually renews us and transforms us. And I think that's so important. And and the truth is, one of the reasons, uh, the, the multiple reasons behind a church's decline are layered and complex. Often, Jimbo, they're they're a result of really kind of misunderstanding the gospel, right? That the gospel is only what saves me. So if I just make a commitment to Christ and I express that to the church, maybe walking down the aisle or sharing it with the pastor, and then I'm baptized, I'm good to go, right? And I'm done. And so I think a lot of times in the churches that I attended as a young person, that was the event, like get saved and then, you know, volunteer in a ministry, give some money and, uh, and tell other people to get saved, right? So we get that fire insurance, so to speak, but we, we really minimize the transformation and the sanctification of the work of the gospel in our lives. Yeah, that's so key that we have to move. I mean, it's, it's not just getting people to pray a prayer, but we've got to move beyond that to, to transformation. I mean, transformation has to be part of the pro- I mean, you can't follow Jesus and not be transformed. That's just not how that works. I love the illustration that Francis Chan uses. I've heard him use when he talks about, he says, what if, what if I showed up late to this event and I was like 20 minutes late and I look just like I look right now, but I said, oh, I'm so sorry that I'm late. Uh, I got ran over by a semi truck in the parking lot. And <laughs> it, like you would immediately be like, wait, what? And you wouldn't believe me, right? And why would you not believe me? Because there's no way you could get run over by a semi truck and still, I mean, like you would show signs of it. Like you would, you would look like you've been run over by, you would be in the hospital. Like yeah. it would, that would be a transforming experience it to be run over by a semi truck. And in the same way that the same Holy Spirit that split the Red Sea, the same Holy Spirit that brings the lost into salvation is the one that resides within us as believers. And so, man, life transformation is inevitable, and we have to emphasize that. Side note, I love Bob Thune. And the way he writes, I always just assumed he was an older man. <laughs> he's like a younger guy, and he's like a big – he has this great random article on like the history of punk rock on the internet, by the way. Really? Yeah, I came across it one day, and I was like, is this the same Bob Thune? And it is exactly the same. He was like on a sabbatical and he decided on sabbatical to use his brain in a different way. And he like wrote this whole article on the history of punk rock. And I thought it was really fascinating. So we'll link. We're going to have to put that in the show notes. That's going to be just, but 
I've actually met with Bob Thune a couple of times and, and had several conversations with him. Uh, the church I was a part of before I replanted was involved in a network of churches and he was part of that. And so I get to be around Bob and hear him talk and have conversation and share meals with him and his you know people. So he's, he's a good guy. I would have never imagined him doing an article on the history of punk rock. Pretty amazing. Yeah, man. Well, you got to reach out to him. He needs to be a guest on the podcast and we can... <laughs> We can have him. And well, here's what we'll do. We'll have him on the podcast and we'll just ask him about the history of punk rock. <laughs> yeah. He would love that, I think. Maybe he wouldn't. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> you know, the, the this idea of planting the gospel and everything is really something that that you have captured in the one of the characteristics of a replanter, which is gospel orientation. Can you break that down for us and, and just explain how that looks and, and what that looks like? Because I think that's what we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, gospel orientation is when you're aligning everything that you do around the gospel. It becomes the filter, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the ways you can think about this is if you read business books or you've been in business, like, you know, like they'll say like, oh, like a vision statement or a core value, you know, is something through which you filter everything that you do at least it's what it's a way that's supposed to operate. Well, I mean, the gospel is our, that's our thing. That's, that's the whole, this whole thing is about the gospel. And so making sure that we're asking that question and filtering how we handle conflict resolution, like how we think about children's ministry, how we think about our security ministry, how we think about first impressions, all of those things are ways that like we have to think about how does the how do we filter this through the gospel and the gospel not just being like you said that which saves us justification but also that which transforms us sanctification and and so how are we making disciples are are we doing these things because we've done these events for forever or or is this in some way serving for the purpose of glorifying God and making disciples and if not then why are we doing it yeah, it makes me think of uh, in our small group this week at the church I attend. Um, we were talking about prayer and mission, and and just this idea that that the transformation in us leads us to engage mission joyfully. And as we engage mission joyfully, the joy that we have in Jesus because of what He's done for us that we didn't deserve should inform the way we do ministry. And so it reminded me of a, a revitalization church that I was doing some consultation with, and um, the pastor was fairly new. And this was a long established, you know, historic church and they were, you know, smaller group, primarily older folks. And they ran a food pantry ministry out of a gas station that somehow the church had come to own. I think they bought the, they, you know, it was like a, an empty gas station. So you, you roll in there, Jimbo, and it's like, you know, this this old style kind of quick stop gas station and the, the whole garage area was cleaned out and it was like food and clothes and all this kind of stuff. Well, this particular part of town had a lot of folks with mental illness and drug addiction and homelessness. And so the pastor was was uh, pointing to it and he said, yeah, I'm going to have to shut this down for a while. And I'm like, really? Why, why are you going to have to shut this down? He goes, well, because our church people are yelling and screaming at the people who are coming for food and clothes. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, what? He goes, yeah. He goes, they're yeah. really angry at them and they're expecting them to like, you know get in line and 
you know, not be disorderly and disruptive and all this kind of stuff. He goes, it's, they're not friendly at all. They're like angry and screaming at the people. Yeah. That's and not so I'm going to have to, sh- I'm going to have to shut this down. Well, Jimbo, I, I'm not a smart man, but I'm guessing that the gospel was not sewn into their response and how they were living out that, <laughs> that ministry. No, it doesn't sound like it. <laughs> Sounds like they wrote, they, they maybe read the wrong Bob Thune article. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe about a mosh pit or something, but man, it was, it's just crazy. So think about that, like your finance team, right? Have, have you sown the gospel into the finance team? Yeah. Be- because God has been generous with us. Yeah. How can we be generous with others? Particularly, and I've, you've seen this and I've seen this, existing churches have sometimes these large accounts of, of resources that they never tap mm. and they never touch. Yeah. It could be used for gospel ministry. Yeah. Right. Chains across the parking lot. Right. And you're next door to a school. <laughs> right. Well, you don't want those people walking in or, or driving in on your parking lot. Well, why not? The Lord's been generous with you. Be generous with your facilities. We could go on and on and on. I think one of my, one of my favorites is our boss, Mark Clifton always says when he sees the signs that say no coffee allowed, in the mm-hmm. worship center or in the sanctuary. I, I love his response. I don't think I've ever seen a cup of coffee walk into a worship center not attached to a person. Yeah. And and so and that person needs the gospel. And so yeah, I mean we we have to think through all I, I think I may have shared the story before either in person. I don't know if I've done it on the podcast, just a real quick story on talk about the finance team. We had a person on our finance team that when we did a block party at that time in our neighborhood, there were sign spinners, you know, like to have the signs that stand in front oh, yeah. of, like at a lot of stores in our neighborhood at that time. There's not as much anymore, but at that season, there were uh, like every block had some sign spinner. And so we hired a sign spinner for our block party because it was it because it was contextual, fit into our neighborhood. And it would was in particular, I can tell you the guy's name. And we had been sharing the gospel with him. We'd been, we'd built a relationship with this sign spinner and we're trying to share the gospel with him. And so we hired him for like 10 bucks an hour or something like 12 bucks an hour for a couple hours. So not much money to help people see our block party and come get free food. And one of our finance team members was just appalled that not that we would spend the money on a sign spinner, but like in, in their mind, it was embarrassing to have a sign spinner in front of our church. And I was like, well, just look down the road. I mean, there's like one on every other block. This is our neighborhood. And we had to have a gospel orientation conversation about, hey, because they said this is irresponsible use of money. And um, and so just talking through, like, this is not about are, are we looking embarrassing, but we have to think contextually. We have to think missionally. We have to think through how the gospel should be the filter for everything that we do. Yeah, so much of of what we have seen in decline churches is it's more about the law, right? <laughs> like, like do these things, don't do these things. We we used to have a sign at the at the back of our our property for the athletic fields, and it was like all about don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that. And so, what was it communicating? <laughs> it was like communicating like if you come here, we're going to give you a list of things that you can't do. We're not going to welcome and invite you in. And, and it's, I get that, but I get the, um, you know, kind of the mentality behind it. It's like, you've got these resources, you've got these facilities, you don't want people to mess them up. But the gospel informing that, recognize that the Lord has given you that resource. He's given you 
the opportunity to share those resources in a way that could lead to someone feeling welcomed and wanted and then having a conversation about the gospel. So so one of the really good books, it's a really um, helpful book that also talks about gospel orientation as it relates to ministry, is a book called Creature of the Word, written by Eric Geiger, Matt Chandler, and I think Josh Patterson. And here's what they say in that book. It says this, because church programs communicate, we must consciously bring the gospel to bear on them. Perhaps in analyzing your programs, you'll discover that your scheduled activities or programs, that you scheduled activities or programs because of guilty obligation. The gospel, on the other hand, frees us from feverish attempts to appease God with religious activities. The gospel frees us to say no and to rest from our work because we trust his finished work, mm-hmm. right? So, so think about the list of activities and meetings and things that churches keep on their books because they don't want to cut anything back. Why don't they cut anything back? Well, they think maybe it's demonstrating that they're not faithful or that they're not dedicated or those sorts of things. Now, there's something to be said about frequency of gathering points in the life of a church. And I think we've seen perhaps, Jimbo, in some ways, the, the trend of cutting everything to like to bare bones may have limited our ability to disciple people just in terms of frequency of connection, right? So I'm not saying that, that we haven't erred in that way. Perhaps we have. But if we're just doing things out of obligation and we're doing things because we think God will approve of us more, right, then that's not a gospel-informed kind of thought. And so your their chances are, that there are programs and activities and even policies at your church that are not informed by the gospel. And so sowing the gospel into the fact that the, the receptive ground involves this idea of saying, how if Jesus was running this part of our church and this ministry, what would what might he say about what we're doing? What might he say about these policies? Like looking at how he related to people who were non-Christian, right? They, they didn't believe in him, right? At that point, he was in the process of helping them understand who he was. How, how would he respond? So I think you, you just, from top to bottom, sowing the gospel is communicating it clearly on Sunday morning, but also thinking about how does the gospel inform everything that you do from the way you welcome guests to the financial policies to the way you do community outreach. Yeah, I would say not even just how does it inform it, but understanding that our dependence is on the power of the gospel we, we can depend on nostalgia and just hope that if we keep doing things the same way that some point we'll get the results we used to get. Or we can flip too far the other way and we will depend on our cleverness and our creativity and ability to innovate and come up with whatever and, and, and try to be as strategic as, as possible and forget that the power is in the gospel. There's a great diagnostic question in uh, the book Wisdom and Leadership by Craig Hamilton that we've referred to in some other episodes where he says, if people were to look at your programs or your events or your one-to-one ministry, would they be able to tell that you trust the gospel as God's power to save, or would they conclude that you're trusting in something else? Hmm. That's big. And we tend to do, we tend to trust in a lot of things besides the gospel yeah. right, and the power of God, um, our, our ingenuity, our cleverness, those sorts of things. Well, let me get to some practical things. How do, how do you sow the gospel yeah. in, in a replay? Here, here are a couple of thoughts. One is 
we've already talked about this, but faithfully proclaiming the gospel from God's word, right? We, we mentioned this on an episode or two uh, ago. Um, it's easy for us to, to say the word, the gospel, as a kind of a noun or an adjective or, uh, you know, part of our regular sermon delivery. But we really have to explain what the gospel is and proclaim it uh, for, from our, our messages from God's word. Um, the other thing is dedicating time and energy to disciple making via personal relationships. Right. I think you sow the gospel into the lives of others as you help them understand what the gospel means uh, in their life. It doesn't just save them, but it continues working for their sanctification and it guides them, brings them joy. Um, examining and evaluating all aspects of church life in light of the gospel is an important one. Like look at everything uh, through the lens of the gospel, as you mentioned. And then here's an important one. And this really is so vitally important to a church that's lost its connection with the community is extend the gospel message beyond the walls of the church through empowering your members and attenders to love and serve their community by doing two things. One is demonstrating the gospel in acts of service and kindness, and then also declaring the hope that you have in Christ, right? So it's not only just show up and, and be like Jesus and be the hands and feet of Jesus, but actually communicate the gospel of Jesus in terms of its actual transmission. What is the gospel of Jesus? What's well, good news that those of us, uh, all of us who've been separated from God by our sin can be renewed, redeemed, and restored to God who loves us. And that's why he sent Jesus to die for us mm. on the cross. So you actually have to say it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so where do we go from here? Uh, actually, let me ask this. I asked it in the last episode with plowing, if you gave a average time frame on planting, so if we go from plowing, we're tilling the hard soil to now we're doing the work of uh, sowing the gospel deeply into the now softened and tilled ground of the church body. Uh, and then we're going to move on next week to watering. What do you have a time frame you would give to this season? Man, it's hard to think about that in in just a linear progression, because I I think if 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 I hear that question, if my mind jumps to well, okay, well, do I do that after I think the ground is sufficiently plant plowed, and then do I ever plant the gospel again? Well, I think you're continually planting the mm. gospel, right? So maybe you're doing the crop rotation, right? Yeah. So. So it's like you plowed up the fields, you planted the gospel, you're plowing up this field and you're planting the gospel. I don't think you ever stop planting it. That's good. Or, that's or that's good to realize it. that what we're talking about here is not, it's not a linear process in, mm -hmm. but this is, this is, it's kind of a circular, this is, we're always working this. It's the always reforming, always replanting mm -hmm. in a, in a sense that we're always having to find those hard soil parts of even our own soul and our own heart mm -hmm. and till that soil and plant the gospel into it. And, and then next week, come back and we're going to talk about how to water that soil. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E. 
E-I-G-H-T-Y dot church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.